to Hebrews chapter 9. I've done my best since I've been here to erase the lines between, am I shut off or are we going? Okay. To erase the lines between the Old and the New Testament. If you know anything about your Bible, the Old and the New Testament are a, 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 there are a series of circumstances and relevance, but they are still all God's Word. Every bit of it, from Genesis through Revelation. And you'll find that a lot of the so-called problem texts or situations we come to in the New Testament, the problems we have with interpretation, for example, are all taken care of in the Old Testament. The saying, there's nothing new under the sun, is got a lot to do with God's Word. You don't have a problem today that God hasn't handled. And the fact that God uh, has his uh, never-ending salvation is nothing new. And there's, there's oh, you, I have, I've had guys tell me who were heroin addicts, so you don't find heroin in the Bible. And it talks about in uh, Proverbs how the left arm of the wicked shall be shortened. And uh, if you know anything about hitting up with heroin, it's got a lot to do with your left arm. But, that being said, the principles and concepts are laid out in the Old Testament, and they're part of the New Testament day we live in. So God's salvation is never-ending. Let's have a word of prayer, and I'll start in Hebrews chapter 9. Thank you, Lord, for this church. Thank you for the individuals here that make it happen. Thank you for our guests, our visitors, and thank you for all that you do for us. We know that people have crossed many lines and many circumstances to be here this morning. I ask that you give them something to take home with, and not only something to take home, but something to practice the rest of their lives. Keep close to them throughout the week, Lord. We look forward to the holidays. We thank you for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15. The sacrifice of Christ is established, verses 15 through, I'm going to read 15 through about 28. That's our text today. Yes, all the way to chapter 10. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the uh, transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of an eternal inheritance. Talking about Jesus Christ here in the New Testament, how he's established some people say a new covenant uh, with us. For we, for we were, a te verse 16, for where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of a testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead, otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. We've just had a death in this church. We've had a testament laid out by brother john for years his testament towards us is his dedication to this church and to the people of this church now i know enough about this church's history from john and from reading the minutes of the meetings and from my history with people in general that john didn't always get along with everybody in this church we've all had our little discrepancies and our shortcomings and our positive strengths and our problems with each other 
But I know for a fact, up until the last day John was here in this church, he prayed for every individual in this church. He told God that he loved every individual in this church. And he thanked God for every individual in this church. That's his testament. What's yours? What's your testament? So, that's what the devil is trying completely to destroy amongst Christians. Once you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior, and you start out on your Christian walk, no matter how far or how serious you take that relationship, the devil's out to destroy your testament. That's why he wants to, to uh, affect the things you do, the effects, the things you say. You're under more attack as a Christian than you are a non-Christian. And so the devil wants to shorten your testament. He wants to subvert anything you might have in regards to telling, showing, exemplifying Christ to someone else. Because you're pretty dangerous to him. And the best way he can ruin your testament is to divide and conquer. He can't face this whole church. This whole church has done some mighty things for the Lord in the last couple of weeks. This whole church does some mighty things for the Lord just by meeting here. But don't rest. The devil is out to destroy that testament. He's out to destroy that witness for Christ, even amongst others in the community. Very important to him. Whereupon, verse 18, neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses, this is the first testament of a coming Savior, verse 18, for when Moses had spoken every precept, there's that word precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. That's how we learn our Bible. To all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people. The book is covered by the blood. You are covered by the blood the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. In the past, it was covered, before uh, Christ came along, it was covered in concept by the blood of bulls and calves and goats. But now we have a perfect uh, person, a perfect su supplement of blood for our sins, saying, this is the blood of the New Testament which God has enjoyed unto you. That's a quote from Exodus 24, 12. Moreover, he sprinkled... Both he sprinkled blood, both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. And I wrote a little thing there, I wrote, of sin. They're talking about sin in your lives, they're talking about guilt in our lives, they're talking about in iniquity in our lives, they're talking about shortcomings in our lives, without it. Without the shedding of blood, there's no removal of that. You have to trust in Jesus Christ for the shedding of blood. You're not going to be good enough to earn your way to heaven. The biggest difference between I and some of my Christian Catholic friends, I should say, is they're being good enough to try to get to heaven. I'm being good because I know I'm going there. And that'll stand with any Catholic, if you want to know that. I've discussed it with them to some degree. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these.
but the heavenly things themselves were better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but of the heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Now, God meets here in this church, in a sense, because of the Bible says wherever two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst. But the Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead, and he gathers here. I got more than crossways with an individual that used to attend church here and told me that he'll come back when the Holy Spirit comes back to this church. I informed him that the Holy Spirit comes to this church every time Christians are gathered together. Now, whether it tickles our fancy or not, the Holy Spirit's here this morning. The Holy Spirit does two things when he meets with people, and he dwells within us. And if you have a conscience, you can attest to this with your own testament. The Holy Spirit does one of two things. He comforts and he convicts. So don't be upset if you come to church and you get convicted or comforted. The Holy Spirit's here today, and he's a blessing to each and every one of us. He's part of God's plan, his eternal redemption for man's kind, part of the reason Jesus Christ came to this earth and shed his blood for each one of us. And almost all things by the law are purged with the blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. It was necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these but the heavenly things themselves are better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, and we're talking about the church there for a temple in those days, figures of true, but into heaven itself, and now appears, and now to appear in the presence of God for us. You have an intercessor, not only the Holy Spirit, but you have Jesus Christ, who intercedes before the heavenly Father, who walked this planet in the past, in a pattern of the past, in answer to the past. So we've got three points in this message, past, present, and future. And Jesus Christ is part of that past pattern. Every one of us look back to the cross. We look back to Christ. He came to make this all possible. He established the, the New Testament. He established his testament for us. So, for Christ is not entered, okay, nor yet that he should of himself offer as a high priest entereth often, as a high priest entereth into the holy places every year with blood of others. See, in those days, the high priest would come into the uh, holiest of holies once a year and offer sacrifices for the people's sins in general. And that's where you hear the story about how he had bells tied to his, his, uh, his robes and they'd tie a rope on him. And if he went in and offered the sacrifices and everything went well, he'd come back out. If they didn't hear the bells jingling, they'd pull on the rope and bring him out. Uh, usually he was dead because he wasn't pure enough himself to make that sacrifice. He was imitating or indicating that one day there would be a sacrifice of someone pure and holy that could do that. And Jesus Christ doesn't do that uh, on this earth. He, he did it 
He does, and he doesn't do it before the Heavenly Father anymore. It's been established by what he accomplished in the past here on this earth. I don't believe, I can't find anywhere, although I know Jesus Christ att attended services where blood was shed by animals because he was a Hebrew and that was the pattern of the day. But I don't see anywhere in the New Testament or anywhere in Scripture, for that matter, where Jesus Christ himself sacrificed blood of anything but himself. And if anybody would have wanted that pattern to continue to exist, it would have been through Christ. For, verse 20, for then he often hath suffered since the foundation of the world. For, the, for then must he offer have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end and the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of, and that word I got circled here, himself. He sacrificed himself. And that was all set and established three times before the foundation of the world shows up in your Bible. I think possibly five, but I know for sure three in the New Testament. And before the foundation of the world, that plan was laid out. That Jesus Christ would come and walk on this planet, and the Holy Spirit would accompany him and us once we've accepted what he did on this planet for our sins. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit had part of that plan, and that was laid out before Adam and Eve ever set foot in the garden. It says before the foundations of the world. As it is appointed unto men, here's the verse I use for people that believe in reincarnation and some of these science religions. They think we're going to be brought back again. Hebrews 9.27 stands fast against that testimony as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You're not going to spend time as a rabbit or as an insect or as a cow or as an ant or anything else. This is your testament. This is your one shot at walking this planet. You're not going to be reincarnated and fly over the world as an eagle. You're not going to wiggle on the ground like a worm. You have one opportunity. God blessed you and endowed you with the human body. And that is your testament. That is your opportunity. And as you uh, perform your testament, as you decide how you're going to live your life, because of a wonderful thing called free choice, as you exercise your responsibilities, as you endeavor to walk forward in your relationship with God, you'll be judged. Oh, God doesn't judge. What does that verse say? Pointed on the man wants to die, and after this, the judgment. You won't be spared a judgment because you're a Christian. You'll be spared the consequences of your judgment because you're a Christian. You'll be pronounced guilty, and Jesus Christ says, I did it. I paid the price. I suffered. It's under the blood. It's as if it never happened. And they'll go, you've been pardoned. What do they call it? Esponging the record. I talked to somebody this week about esponging a record. They'll do that. And when you get to heaven. So your testimony means something. How you look, how you act, where you go, 
What you do, what you don't do, all means something to God. Talk to him, and he'll guide you and help you along those lines. He's not going to tell you to do something that's not pleasing to him. He's not going to tell you to do something that's uh, in transgression of his law. I've sat with men and had them tell. I sat with a young man, and he told me that, that God told him to shoot his stepfather. And that's what he was in prison for. And I says, God didn't tell you to do that. God doesn't tell anybody to sin. The great imitator told you that. The great deceiver told you that. The great accuser told you that. And when you stand before the cross, when you stand before the glory of God the Father, that accuser will be there, and he'll tell them what you did. And God will forgive you if you've accepted him as your personal Savior. Because God's salvation takes place with the past, God's salvation takes place in the presence. We are spared from the power of sin. You don't have to be a, a, a victim. Everybody, I was told once by a prison chaplain, everybody's in prison. He says, everybody has their own little jail they live in. Everybody has their own circumstances that they let themselves, that build up around them and that confine them to their service to God. What's your prison? What's your circumstances? Are you too busy working for the dollar to do what God wants you to do? Are you surrounded by a prison of uh, weaknesses? Are you a victim of circumstances that you supposedly can't control? Jesus Christ gave you power over sin. As far back as the Old Testament, when he forgave you of your sins and performed his power and sacrificed his power to let common man pin him to a cross, he transfers that power to you today that you won't be pinned to any cross. You don't have to be a, a victim of your circumstances if they're entirely negative. God, in this wonderful country, we've had a lot of opportunities but God will give you an opportunity. God will give you victory. If you're concerned about your testimony, if you're concerned about your witness, if you're concerned about your relationship with God, if you're concerned about your walk with Jesus Christ, if you're concerned about having power over a vice in your life, God will give you victory. We've got people right here in this congregation that could stand up and tell you that without a doubt, that they've gotten victory over a vice or two in their life. Everything from dandruff to marijuana. I don't know what it would be today. But God wants to be powerful in your life. Hebrews 9.26 says, For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now, at present, once in the end of the world, hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. As sure as Jesus died on the cross for your sins, he's given you power to overcome the sins in your life. As sure as Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, he's given you power to overcome the sins in your life. Next is the future. 
the future. We are secured from the presence of sin, the persistence of sin. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear a second time without sin unto salvation. God's past, God's present, and God's future salvation will take care of you in the end times. Whenever, What are the end times? Well, for John, the end times were the last six weeks. I don't know what my end times are. I must have told John three or four times. When my father died of a terminal illness, he was happy. I said, I f- how do you feel knowing you only got, he was on borrowed time at that time. He had two years. He was told five years with leukemia, sickle cell to be exact, and he lived seven. I says, how do you feel in those last two years? He says, I have a great advantage. I know what my future is. I've had a chance to make things right, as John did. He and I went over making things right. As each one of us have an opportunity to make, what's your testimony? What are the loose ends in your life? Are you ready to finish your testimony? Are you at peace with your maker? Have you righted the wrongs in your life? There's been many a times after a service or two I felt a conviction and I've wrote a letter or I've apologized or had to call someone or uh, make a recognition or reckoning with some other factors. I don't know what God's knocking on your door about. But the Holy Spirit comforts or convicts. Oftentimes he does surgery on us and we have to be convicted and then we get comforted. There's a doctor in this room and he knows it's only going to hurt with that little knee. It's only going to hurt for a little while. But then it'll help later, won't it? So my question to you today is where's your testimony? What's your convictions? What's your comfort? Where is God working in your life? He saved you. He gave you power over sin. He gave you power from the penalty of sin. He gave you power over the convictions of sin, the the actual uh, punishments for sin. And he's given you power over the presence of sin in your life. Exercise it. Let's all stand. I want to thank you all for your time here today. I'm still very impressed with the Sunday school services. I'm waiting for him to turn me off. <laughs> and uh, there it goes. I think that was it. Brother Dill couldn't be here today because he's celebrating his anniversary with his dear wife. And uh, How many was it? 15, 20 years? Something like that? But his prayers are with you today, too. And I thank Brother Jay for taking over. There was no coincidence in that slide presentation on Wednesday night not getting fired up. It was meant to be here this morning. As you take gratitude in what you've done, 
as a church and as you take gratitude in what God, how God is working in this church. I want you to share that same attitude and what God can do in your life as an individual. Yield to him and let him work in your life. The conviction will far, far come short of the comfort you'll receive later. Knowing that when you stand before the Heavenly Father, you'll be able to understand, forgive, and justify your entry into heaven.